on Thursday night, um, a group of us, a small group, a group of us gathered um, here and had a bit of a chat um, about really hearing from God and sharing what we heard with people. And so there's yeah, there a few people here, and so we sat down and we prayed and we asked God give us, to give us direction for who we should go and seek and where we should seek them and what we should uh, talk to them about. And I was sitting there and I had wrote down a few notes and kind of with a location, God directed me to um, McDonald's and then I asked for a name of someone and he gave me Charlie and then I asked for a description and I got a bald guy with a beard and then needs and he said back and then I just said anything else but he didn't really say anything else. And so as part of a small team, we just took off into Richmond. We headed to Maccas, we walked into Maccas and I couldn't see anyone in Maccas who corresponded to anything on my list. It's kind of a weird feeling walking into Maccas and going... No, they're not here. And then we just walked out. Um, but one of the guys who I was with actually thought that God had directed him towards the train station. And it was probably about 8.30 at night. I think a train was about to go in the next 20 minutes. And so we have got up on the platform and looked down the platform and there's really not much going on. And as I'd actually uh, headed off, I'd actually... Uh, sent a text to Jerry and he fired a text back to me and all he said was blue shirt. And, and I thought, oh yeah, this must be a Kiwi sense of humour kind of thing. Um, but we got on the train or on the train's platform and we walked down. And as we were walking down, we noticed there were two guys standing in the guards compartment. And I thought I saw something, but I was still kind of kept walking. But as we walked past the doorway a guy came out of the, the door and then started to walk down the outside of us. And I looked across and this guy was bald and had like a beard. And I'm like, all righty, here we go. And so I've walked over to him and I've gone, mate, this is going to sound pretty weird, but uh, this is what we've just done. And I explained to him that we'd talked to God, asked him to direct us. And he looked at me... I think with that kind of expression that you look at people with where you're not sure if they're just a little slow or whether they actually need medical help. It's kind of like... <laughs> and so I had my little list with me and I said, look, mate, I'll just, um, I'll just show you this list to see if anything on that list means anything to you. And he looked down the list and he said, no, nah, my name's not Charlie. But he said, wow. He goes, I've had... A bad back. I've been in pain for about a week now. And I'm like, there you go. And I go, okay, well, let me tell you the reason that we're here is because I believe that, that God can heal your back. And we can ask Jesus right now to fix your back. And as we said that, he was standing there going, he was in, and as soon as I said, Jesus can fix your back, he was like, ah, da, 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 and started pointing to this guy over there. And so we chatted with him for a little while, and really he just kind of was out. Um, but there was a few other people that we chatted to on that night and got the opportunity to share Jesus with. 
Um, it was interesting, actually, another group got to share Jesus with a guy that I'd encountered at Macca's maybe a few weeks before. So it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool thing to do. And I just wanted to throw that out there because um, if you want to do that kind of thing, um, if you are interested in taking your relationship with Jesus maybe outside of your house and outside of this house, I think that God will really start to do something amazing on the streets of Richmond and on the streets of the Hawkesbury. Maybe even further. One of the guys who prayed, he got Singleton. And I said, you should drive. And he's like, no, I won't. But um, so who knows? But I'll just throw that out there. And if you're interested in doing that kind of stuff, if you just want to experiment, see what God does, then uh, get a hold of my number and, or even just chat with me after this and just come up and go, hey, I'm interested. What are we doing? And uh, next time we're doing something like this, I'll, I'll just give you a text, give you a call. <laughs> no. Either way, he should have either driven somewhere or made a phone call, but, you know, he just didn't do it. So that was pretty cool. Excuse me, I've just got an itchy eyelid. I don't know if you ever have... have you, do you ever have an itchy eyelid? It's painful. Well, it's not really painful, it's just annoying. What was painful, though, was yesterday when I was, um, when I was, I was doing some property maintenance for a guy, and he said to me, today, we're going to clean the driveway. Okay. Now, at my place, that's cool. My driveway is all about five metres long. It's concrete. It's no worries. This guy's driveway is probably about 400 metres long. And he's got like sticks and trees and shrubs and grass and leaves and wire and all this stuff there. And he goes, so we're going to clean up the driveway. And so I'm like, okay. And he goes, so your job today is to whip a snipper. And I've just gone, this is just not going to be fun because I'm standing there in shorts very sun smart, got a long shirt on, long sleeve shirt, but shorts. And so I'm walking, doing, you know, the old river snipper walk like this. And as I'm going along, the first little bit, I'd actually gone through the week before and picked up all the sticks and anything that looked like it might flick at me and hurt me. But then the second week, so I came back and yeah, that was all good, picked it all up, put it in the trailer. What do they call them? Blowers? You know those blowers? So I'm standing there out in the middle of the country, which struck me as ridiculous, but anyway, um, I'm doing this and then I get to the bit where I hadn't cleared and I'm standing there, whippersnippering away, yeah, yeah, Andrew's got it, whack, 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 all these sticks and stones hitting my shins and behind my sunnies I'm starting to tear up <laughs> and then he came back and I toughened up and kept going. But that was, yeah, wasn't, the, wasn't the worst part because that was kind of like, for me, a little bit of pain just goes tink and you just go, oh, and keep going. Oh, oh. And after a while, you just you get over it. The worst bit was the stones, when they hit your shin, they drop down into your shoes. And so then you're walking around going, oh, oh. And I'm watching the guy who's kind of employing me and I'm like, just go away so I can just take my shoes off real quick. And then, but he didn't go away. And then... And then we got to this point where he goes, oh, it's almost two o'clock, and we'd kind of agreed we'd finish it too. I just need you to finish this. And so I'm standing there, and I feel like I've got gravel trucks for shoes. I'm just standing on these piles of rocks, just cutting through all this grass and everything. And then and that was going on for like four hours. And you get to the end, and it's like, we well, yeah, were done, we finished. And the first thing I did is just back to the car, just pulled off these shoes and like... 
and then walked around the mountain of stones I left behind and took the other one off and shook it off. It was just phenomenally annoying. I don't know if you've ever had something like that where you're in a particular situation and you've just got something that just bugs you. It doesn't really damage you, but it just frustrates you to the point where you start oh, just getting oh, a bit a bit frustrated, a bit frustrated. But um, after that, we went home and a couple of guys came around and we went out and had some pizza, um, discovered a new game, um, which we maybe play a little later on if anyone's keen. Um, we'll all explain all about it. But we watched a bit of a movie and after we watched this movie, we were about to go out the door, I think, and then the UFC came on. I don't know if anyone knows what the UFC is. Um, it's, it's two guys in this caged enclosure and they basically get paid money to try and knock each other out. And as we're sitting there, the first guy that comes up, comes up I'm like, hey, that's my coach. Because I do a bit of uh, wrestling and my coach, Anthony Parosh, was coming in. And I'm like, oh, wow. I wonder how this will go. And he's kind of an old guy and older guy and a bit slim. He's not as old as Rog, but he's a bit slim. And he was in the ring against this massive guy, this Croatian, Krokop, his name was. And you just see him, he's standing there like this, you know, just muscles everywhere. And I'm just going, oh, I really respect my coach, but I don't think this is going to go well. And Will's suggesting that, I should give him a ribbing the next time I see him, but I'm not going to do that. But he got in the ring, and this guy, this big guy, is just standing there like this, and just going, crack, crack, hitting him. And my coach has just taken a few hits, and he had this move, and he'd go like this, fake a punch, and then try and tackle the guy so that he could work his wrestling moves on him. And the first time he tried it, the other guy just kind of pushed his feet back and defended against it. I'm like, oh, well, we'll get him again. And for the first five minutes, that's all that's happening. This other guy was smashing Anthony, and then Anthony would pretend to punch him and try and tackle him. And for five minutes, it went on, and I'm just like, oh, this is just not good. It's not going to end well here. And, and then they had the break, and then they came back the second round. And the second round, it's the same thing. This guy's just wailing on him, boom, boom. And Anthony's trying, but he's got nothing. He's only got this one move. And I'm like, come on, I've seen you do other stuff. Do something. Like I'm yelling at the TV, you know. It's not even a live event, and I'm yelling at the TV. It's a bit weird. But... And he goes, and then they're fighting, and he tries a few different things. And then I think somehow they ended up down on the ground. But um, the big guy reversed it on my coach. So he was on top of my coach. And he's standing there, and he was just laying into him. And then he, this big guy stopped using his fist and just dropped his elbow on my coach's head. And I've never seen anything like it. In a split second, my coach just went all red. I just cut him here and the blood just poured out. And he kind of stood up and you could see the blood was just flowing down here, down here. And they went to, they went to I think... Um, a break in the match and I'm like, oh, it's all over. But my coach comes out after the break and he continues to fight this guy 
he's got some Vaseline on, and then the cut opens back up again, and the doctor steps in. And he just goes, no, we've got to stop it. And one of the commentators actually interviewed the big guy, and he said, man, were you shocked to see Anthony come out and that's after the cut? And he goes, whoa. He goes, yeah, I was shocked. There was just blood everywhere. And I was watching it, and I was just going, man, you just get, you're going to get smashed. But my coach, he just wouldn't, he wouldn't give up. And I guess that's exactly what I want to talk to you about tonight, is this thing of, of small stones and big hits. Because as you go through life, I think that sometimes you do encounter those big situations where you feel like you're under the spotlight, where everyone is watching you, and you just feel like, I, I just don't have what it takes to keep going in this situation. I can't see a way forward. I can't see a way out. A way out, and I don't have what it takes to keep going in this situation. And when the big hits start to come, most of us look for somewhere else to be. And whether it's a situation like that, or maybe it's like just the small stones in my shoe that just annoy you. Most of us look for someplace else to be. Is that if you go through your life and you get a job and the boss turns out to be someone who you have a personality clash with, you talk to someone about it, and most people say, ah, just move on, find a new job. Maybe you pit strike up a friendship, maybe even a relationship with someone, and you get to a point where you have a disagreement or a dispute about something. Maybe you trusted them, but they didn't come good on that trust. And most people, I think, would say to you, man, just move on. I don't know if you're in a situation like that tonight. But I think that what God says is very different to what most other people say. And I think that if you're in that situation, maybe it's a financial situation like you shared before where you can't see a way out of it. Maybe it's an emotional situation that you're connected in but you can't see a way to get through that. I think that God has a solution. And I'm reminded of a guy, I don't know, a pretty wealthy guy, very wealthy guy actually. And he's doing quite well, had quite a big family, big family, had seven sons and three daughters. Um, so he had quite a massive family. And this guy was a pastoralist. So he had livestock, he had herds and flocks and all this kind of stuff and he was doing well enough that he'd be able to pay people to look after. So he had a few, quite a few employees on his staff and he's a highly respected guy in the community. This guy was doing well enough that he could afford to provide housing for his seven sons and for his three daughters. And he was doing well enough so that he could fund them so that every once in a while they'd have a little family get-together, they'd invite all the people around, a few of their friends around, and they'd sit there and have these, just these mad parties. woo Good stuff. But one day, catastrophe struck this guy. As he was standing there going over his books, 
his servant, one of his employees, came rushing in and said to him, he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but all your flock has just been destroyed. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, it was just crazy. It was like lightning struck, boom, they were gone. And he's like, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, I'm deadly serious, gone. And while he's still trying to work out what's happened here, another guy came in and he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, but a bunch of cattle rustlers have come and they've stolen all your herds. They killed the employees, but I just managed to get away to tell you what's going on here. And he's going, you what? All these flocks, all these herds. And as he's standing there grappling with his business problem on his hands, a third employee comes in and he goes, I've got something I need to tell you. And he goes, not now. I've just heard that all my flocks, all my livestock is just gone. And his employee goes, I think you're going to want to hear this. Maybe you better sit down. And so he sits down. And his employee tells him, he says, boss, there's been a disaster. And his boss goes, oh, no. And he goes, there's been a disaster at the house of your son. And he says, the house collapsed while everyone was inside. And he said, no, I'm the only one who's here. Can you imagine what that would feel like to in one day lose all of your possessions, to lose any potential that you had to reproduce any wealth, and then to realise that those that you loved have been destroyed. And this guy, in that situation, he cries out to God. And incredibly, he says, God, I'm in great sadness, but I trust you. Everything I had, you gave me. I'll trust you. And then in that situation, as he sits there, his body breaks out in these festering sores, in these boils. And he's covered head to toe in these festering, bleeding, weeping, oversized pimples all over his body. And his mates come and sit with him. And I think they've got some idea of how bad the situation is because they sit with him for seven days without saying a word. They just sit. It's good friends. And he sits there. And God tells us that over the next, the next days, he and his friends try and sort through what's going on. Why has this happened? How can this happen to me? I'm a, I love God. How can this happen to me?
but they don't come to any conclusions. And I think that's part of the, that's one of the hardest parts about when you're going through a hard time, when you're going through suffering, when you lose someone or when you're in a bad or a tough situation. The question of why. I don't know if you've ever had that experience. Some of you will know like my personal story and when my mum passed away. And that was the question that I asked of God. Why? Why did this happen? Why did you choose this lady who loved you so much? And I wish I could stand here and say, you know what, I've got answers. I still don't know the answer to that question. But I don't think God frowns when we ask it. When we're sitting in that difficult situation, we go, God, why? Because I know that God craves connection with us. And asking God why, I think, is inviting him into that situation. What's going on? What's happening? God. Because I know that within myself, if I'm going through a hard time, if I'm going through something awkward situation, it's very easy for me to just internalize stuff. And I'll try and analyze this situation and go, well, oh, I don't know. I can handle this on my own. But I don't think really that's how God sees it. Because with this guy, Job, he cried out to God. He said, God, what are you doing? What's going on? And some of his friends were saying, man, this happened to you because you've done bad stuff. But as he continued, God eventually responded. And you know what? He didn't answer the why question. But he just said, this is who I am. Trust me. And because he endured, because he didn't give up, this guy, he gets a pretty big rap. He gets a real big rap, actually. And I'll just, just share with you a bit of a scripture. It says here, in James chapter 5, it says, We give great honour to those who endure under suffering. For you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how God was kind to him at the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. A guy of great endurance found God's mercy and grace. A guy of great endurance found God's generosity. I want to share with you, oh, excuse me, another, the story of another guy. This guy's name was Mira, and he's from a country which is pretty far from here called Bangladesh, just near India. Mira had made a decision in his life that he was going to step away from his culture, his cultural identity, step away from the rest of his villages, and he said, I'm going to live for Jesus. And on one particular morning, he and about 30 other people who'd made that same decision stood there in this village, surrounded by 500 of the villagers, and they attacked this guy verbally, saying, you're turning your back on your culture. You're turning your back on your history. You're turning your back on us, your friends. 
he stood there and he said, I will not move. I have made my decision. And for four hours, the village grabbed this guy and interrogated him. They grabbed his wife and interrogated her. They grabbed the rest of the 30 people and they interrogated them and said, what are you doing? You're turning your back on who we are as a people. But this guy did not move. And after four hours, they couldn't really find anything against this guy. And so they just let him go about his normal business. But the villagers got together and they said, you cannot, you cannot use the well in our village. Which means, oh, big deal, just turn on the tap, you know. But, but this guy lived in a place where there was no running water, where to wash himself in the morning, he had to send someone into the center of the village, get a bucket, and they'd bring the bucket back and fill it up, and that's how they'd wash. If he wanted to have a drink, he didn't go to the fridge, he went to the well, pulled up the water, brought it back. And they said, you cannot use the village well. And so instead of walking for maybe a couple of hundred meters, this guy and his family were now forced to walk a kilometer and a half to the nearest, nearest well so they could get water and then a kilometer and a half back. And to make matters worse, as he and members of his family went to get their water, people in the village would start shouting insults at them. They'd start throwing mud at them. And he remained stuck on his course. And in the end, the insults and the allegations led to accusations that he was stealing water from his neighbours and stealing water from the well. And so he was taken into custody. And while he was in custody, the police beat him. They kicked him. And while he was in there, they tied him to another guy, another Christian guy, back to back for four days. He couldn't move. But while all this is going, Mira did not change his decision. And at the end of the 30 days, the police had nothing on him. They, they released him. They hadn't changed his mind. And Mira said these words. He said, I'm not concerned. Jesus is with us. And he's told me that we're only here for a short time. And I guess... The value that God puts on perseverance, I don't know that we can get. You know, the Bible tells us that before the creation of the world, God loved you. That when he said, let there be light, he was actually thinking of you. When he created the garden, he was thinking how one day the human race would reproduce you. And if you... For those people tonight who are struggling, if you're in a difficult situation, maybe it's a relationship that you're thinking, I'm over this. I just don't want to do it anymore. A work situation where your boss or fellow employee seems to have made you the target, their particular personal entertainment device. I think it's fun just to have a crack at you. Maybe you're in a schoolroom where the teacher just seems to focus in on you every day and hammer you. Or there's a bunch of guys that maybe once called themselves your mates and they're smashing you every day 
because of where you are. God is calling you to endure in that situation, not to give up, to, be, to hang on. To hang on. Maybe it's even that you're involved in, in, a, in a fight for something that belongs to you. God is saying, don't, don't give up. Run the race that is set out before you with endurance. Don't be a quitter. You know, when I was a little guy, sometimes I'd walk in and my brothers were playing Lego and I'd, I'd walk in and pick up one of the Lego men. And of course, if you've ever had brothers or sisters, you know how it works. As soon as you pick up that Lego man, that's exactly the Lego man that they want, you know. No other Lego man will do. There's another one with black over there. No, I want that one. And so I would actually then go, oh, well, take it. And so their eyes would light up and they just go, okay. And so they'd grab you. And for some reason, they always grabbed your wrist first. I don't know why. But they grab your wrist, and then they'd be like trying to move your hand around, move your hand around, and then they worked out. Particularly Glenn, actually, Scott was not really into it that much, but Glenn got into it, and he'd go, he'd try and get the thumb because he figured he could get a hold of the thumb, and so he'd be like wriggling his thumb trying to get under my thumb, and then he'd be there, but then it would be thumb against thumb, okay? And of course, I've got six years on the guy. And even then, I probably still had about 20 kilos on him. And so he's like, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, the little yellow Lego guys in there. And then he worked out that he could actually get some mechanical advantage if he stuck a couple of his fingers under my pinky. And so he'd work him in there, and I wasn't real worried, okay? But then he got his fingers under there, and then he got his actual fingers around my pinky. And this wasn't then fun for me anymore. Because I wasn't winning. He'd then just get it. And all he cared about was a little Lego man. And so he'd just go, okay. And I think I lost track of the number of times my fingernail actually touched my wrist. But the end of the matter was that he got the little Lego guy back. Okay. And so from then on, I wised on and I'd just not let him get into there. But that's a great picture to me of what endurance is. Is to just cling on, to cling on and say, God, I'm not letting go. I'm in this situation and I will not be moved. And you can sense the people coming and trying to dig in and grab a hold of you, trying to just grab a hold of your little pinky. But you say, God, I'm not letting go. And God says this. He says, man, just, just hang on. And I think that sometimes when we think about hanging on, we just talk about turning up. That we think, if I just keep going to work every day and just going through the motions, I'm still enduring. If I just, turn, if I just stay in this relationship and just be in this space, that things will work out. But I think that there's actually a power in actually committing to it and saying, you know, I'm here and I'm going to be the employee of the day today. I'm here and I'm going to be the best friend this person has ever had. I'm in this classroom, and I know, I don't think, I know that you hate me and you want to give me detention. I'm going to be the best student that there's ever been. I know you want to change my mind about following Jesus, but I'm just going to be the best son or the best daughter that you've ever had and not move. Because the thing is that Jesus throws out is he says this, 
He says, the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life is endurance. The fruit. And see, as we go through life, we're going to encounter situations that are beyond us to endure. We're going to encounter situations that are beyond our ability to persevere in. But God says the fruit of the Spirit of God at work in your life. We just had uh, a couple of tomatoes sprout on our tomato vine, which is good. It's been a while since we've had anything we could eat off there. Tomatoes, for those of you who don't know, are actually a fruit. But it's been like four weeks, five weeks, growing, growing, and then you see the little tomatoes. But all I did was put the seeds in the ground and water. And now Renata's going to eat them for lunch tomorrow. But it's fruit. And the thing is, is that if the Spirit of God is at work in your life, then this fruit of endurance will actually blossom in your life will actually come to the front of your life. And it's kind of like money in the bank that when you need it, you can call on God and draw on what He has already put in your life. It flows out. And there's a great promise of God, and I love it. I love it because for me, it just describes so completely what the struggle is about. It says, it says this, it's in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4. And when we talk about the struggle of life, you know, this was written by a guy who gave his life for Jesus. But he says this in verse, verses 8 to 10. He says, We are pressed in on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. We don't know what's going on, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but are not destroyed. Through sufferings, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. And I love the buts there. But, Jesus claims a victory. But as anyone knows, victory doesn't come without a fight. And you can see here that in our fight against the enemy, We'll be pressed in on every side by troubles. But we don't have to be crushed by our troubles. He says here that you can be confused, but you don't have to give up. You feel knocked down, but you get back up again and say, I'm still here, I'm not going anywhere. And as we do that, I think that's when actually the power of Jesus actually starts to flow in our lives. You know, it's too easy, I think, for me to go through my life and go, you know what? I've got income, you know, I'd always like more, but I've got enough, I'm eating, I'm not wasting away. I've got a car, you know, most of the time it's a 15-seater bus, it's not real cool, but it gets me around. And it's easy for me to live and not really have to step into the reality with God too often. But it's when we get challenged, when we go through those hard things, whether or not it's as significant as Job and the complete destruction that we saw in his life, or maybe the ongoing challenge that Mirror faced in his life, 
it's then that Jesus actually starts to empower us. And when we step out and say, you know what? This is my decision. I am not moving. That then things start to flow in our lives. That God starts to move. And I don't think it's really any coincidence that you've come here tonight. I think that if you're struggling, maybe your even emotions reflect what we see up there on the screen. That Jesus is saying, come. Come to me. And let me renew your strengths. Let the Spirit of God move through your life. Let the Father in heaven give you that big hug and say, I'm not going to let you go. As we step into that moment of reality with God, He then equips us for greater things so that the life of Jesus may be seen through our lives, so that other lives will be changed because of the change in your life. And that's the message that God has for you tonight. You may be just starting out on your journey, saying, God, are you there? You may have been walking on that path for a while and be thinking, man, what has happened to those glory days when I first started? Maybe you've been walking the journey for a while and you're thinking, God, I love you, but I just, I can't go on. God is holding out to you the promise of that fruit in your life. He's saying, come, taste of me. That's you, and you want someone to pray for you. Find someone you trust tonight. Come up, chat with me. But Jesus is offering out that promise to you. Jesus, thank you for your love. I'm just amazed that you chose to to leave heaven and to walk this earth to experience the challenges that we experience. And for that promise that you hold out to us, that in you we can find the strength to endure. And God, I ask that, that you would move among those tonight who are confronted with a challenging situation, God, whatever it is. I know that you know it now. Father, just restore courage, restore hope, God, and for those who are here tonight and don't, don't know you, God, just draw them near. Draw them into your love.